This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Welcome to HITS radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. I have a good friend of mine on again today. I've had Jack Shanley on before. Uh, Jack is retired from LAPD and living the good life right now, but he still is in, uh, very involved. And I'm going to let him kind of go over his background with uh, all the different uh, cool assignments he had while he was with LA. But I also know he's still out teaching. I'll let him talk about that. And he's also writing some articles. So an article popped up online the other day. The link will be in the show notes. And I'm going to Start with uh, Jack, kind of if you can give your background a little bit, and then let's just talk about the article that you recently wrote, and then we'll kind of go into how we ended up deciding to do a show on it. So, how are things going today, Jack? Everything's great, Jeff. Thanks for having me on again. It's great. It's always good to talk to you, and it's always nice to share information with some folks that uh, that are still out there doing the work. A retired life's treating you good, I take it. Oh yeah, everything's great. It's not. It's not overrated. Uh, it's. We just talked about how you, you you think about how did I find time to to work? Yeah. <laughs> when, when, you know, because there's so many neat things to do now, and so all is well. Yeah, you've, you've earned it. So, um, for, well, thank you for people who aren't super familiar with you. Can you just give us a little synopsis of your career with LAPD? Sure. I went to LAPD in 1983, November of '83. Obviously worked patrol and my probation and patrol time. And then I became a training officer on 77th Street, which is in South Central. And went to Vice for a tour, which is basically a, a plainclothes undercover thing dealing with prostitution in Hollywood. Did that for 18 months. And then I went to Metro. Metro was a crime suppression unit citywide. Lots of great experience there. And part of Metro was canine. And... And I went to Canine. Uh, I was there for a blip on the radar screen to compare to you and many of your listeners. I was only there for five years, but five of the most exciting, stressful, fun, terrible <laughs> <laughs> you, you got, uh, uh, years of, of my career. Loved every minute of it and learned a lot, a whole lot. And I had an opportunity to go to air support as a tactical flight officer. And I did that. And I did that for about three years and then switched seats to pilot. I did my last, well, last 16 years as a pilot uh, for LAPD and, and then retired back in 2016 and just enjoying life now. But that, that's a kind of a synopsis of sure. what I got to do. I, I, I really feel fortunate for everything that happened yeah, <laughs> during sounds that like time. A, I really it, do. Sounds like a great career. And I know, it was I know awesome. you're being a little bit humble. I know you... Uh, you excelled at everything you did there, especially on the, the pilot side of it. You've written a book about yes. the containment of, of, of criminals. Yep. Appreh- apprehending fleeing suspects. I wrote that back in 07 and uh, it's still, still out there and still out selling books. You get it on Amazon. I'm really amazed by it. Yeah. Amazon yeah. or cctomas.com. cctomas.com is the publisher. Okay. That's the easiest and most direct way. And for our listeners, I've read that book. I've known Jack for a long time. It's it's a good book, especially as a dog handler. Kind of starts uh, teaching containment tactics from from a different vantage point, but also from somebody who's been in our boots too. So it's a I highly recommend the book. And you do classes related to the same thing, right? 
Yes. Yeah. The classes, uh, the class came first. I was teaching probably back in 2000. I started teaching a class about that topic and uh, it grew from a, from a two hour class at a CHP aircrew course to what it is today, which is eight hours. And it's taken me around the world. I, I, I never ever imagined class taking me to places it has and the people I've met through it, uh, including you. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's been wonderful. I mean, yeah. it's, it's the greatest thing. I, I really am happy I did that. And, uh, and I love it. And I love teaching it. I love sharing the information. You know, I saw this containment apprehending suspects thing from three different angles, you know, yeah. as a patrol officer, canine handler, and aircrew member. So I try and combine the three angles into sharing what these guys do, what these suspects do, and how we can safely contain them, search for them, capture them, so we don't end up on the nightly news. Exactly. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's what I do. Exactly. And for, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't, if you scroll back through, it's, it's uh, quite a few episodes back, but Jack and I did a, a podcast regarding this. So scroll back and check it out. It's, it's one of the, the very well received podcasts I've done. Uh, Great. Get a lot of good feedback Great. on it. So today we, we got back together because I saw you popped up on a, on a social media with a new article. So let's talk about the article and, and where they can find it. And I'll put the link in the show notes, but I know we talked before we started the show about how you've been having this article in your head for a long time, but let's just kind of talk about, about what, what that's all about. Yeah. The, the article is the title is when tragedy strikes and uh, it's on caliber press. It's at caliberpress.com. It's on their social media outlets. Police, Facebook. Police one. Right. Yeah. And it's, it was in my head for over 10 years. I, I thought about this topic for a long, long time, and I just, I just didn't have the right words and to, to say it. And I didn't want to just make it a story time of something. Oh, this is what happened, what I did. And this is how, and then, uh, and then the two NYPD officers were, were shot in that apartment in Harlem. And I watched firsthand the, the news coverage and the social media explosion and, and I have friends back there and, and uh, listening to and watching and just observing what was going on. And, and I saw that every single thing that was being said in the beginning was wrong. And I, and I immediately said, well, that happens on every officer yep. shooting or critical incident. Yeah. And that's what I've been thinking about for 10 years. The mistakes that we make and that I have made and that we all make in how to handle that critical incident after it happens. And especially when it comes to now that everybody has a phone in their hands that they can text and write and, and message and, and receive and, and send information. It makes it worse, 10 yeah. times worse. Yeah. So that, I said, that's it. And I just sat down and started typing. And Jeff, I just flowed out. I typed that in one sitting. <laughs> it, it wasn't, it didn't, it was, it just came out of me. And I, I ran it by a couple friends and said, "Hey, I'm not coming across as a jerk here or anything because I'm, I'm kind of, try, I'm not coming across to lecture people. Yeah. And that is what you have to do because I've done it. I made the mistake, yeah. and I tried to come across like that. And and I used the NYPD incident to lead into uh, an example that I had experienced with that, and I've gotten overwhelming." overwhelming response and so, a lot of a lot of cops have been thinking about this yeah 
So the gist of the article, since maybe people haven't read it yet, but I, I encourage everybody, like I said, look at the show notes. I'll have the link in there. The gist, though, is basically the misinformation that you're talking about that goes out there. We're not really talking about the media because none of us count on the media at all for any good information anymore. But these are right. things that are postings and, and messages and text messages and stuff from the cops who maybe are on scene that don't have all the information, from cops who maybe are in the department, you know, talking to other cops somewhere, but it kind of, it's the social part of it through, you know, those of us within our profession that without malice are spreading misinformation. Yes. And and I love that you added without malice because none of us are trying to hurt no. anybody. Yeah. We, we think that we're doing, we think that we're doing the right thing because it's what we do. It's what cops do. They gather information, you know, and they gather evidence and, yeah. and they're in, inquisitive and they're they're suspicious and they're they want to know more yeah but that bites us when when it's one of our own land they're bleeding and now we're putting stuff out or saying something and it might not be 100 percent true and it goes down five six people and next thing you know it's completely false yeah and and the the gist of the article is there's loved ones out there that sit there on the edge of their seat because they know that their loved ones at work yeah. and all they heard. And, and when, when, um, Oscar Rivera's wife went up and gave the eulogy, she talked about it. Yeah. I, I mean, she talked about how she, she heard it from an app that Oscar's been shot in Harlem. She yeah. goes, well, that's where, that's where my husband works. Yeah. So she, she's crushed by that without even hearing his name. She's yeah. already nervous and we've all been there. We've all had loved yeah. ones. I, I sent, I, sent more than one text to my wife over the years saying, Hey, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Just I'm yeah. okay. Because I knew yeah. that she would be watched, see in the news that there's an officer down in South central Los Angeles. Yeah. There's a helicopter crash. Doesn't yeah. say anything about what kind of helicopter, yeah. whose helicopter. It just says, Oh, helicopter yeah. crash in, in San Fernando Valley. Yeah. yeah. So I just said, Hey, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, Operator, you know, yeah. we, we've all done that. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. But so, in, in your article, you gave a real good example. Do you mind sharing that with the, the listeners now of your own personal? The, the one that I experienced? Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. It's something that a mission that I received more than once, probably 10 times, maybe more, where a sergeant comes in and says, hey, grab your partner and you're going to go pick up the chief or a commander or, most importantly, a family member of an officer who was just involved in a traffic accident, who was just shot who just, you know, is severely injured from whatever. And you're going to fly that family member or command staff to the hospital to expedite it. I mean, it's an important mission. And sure. in LA, I mean, that could save hours. Yeah, with your you traffic. Know, uh, and really, literally, yeah. save hours. So that was not an uncommon mission. Everybody I know that air support has probably flown at least a handful of those. Sure. And I just think of one that, that impacted me greatly. They all did. I could tell you oh, 10. Yeah. That, and but this one was a horrific car crash where we're we're being told we're being told by a watch commander who just got a phone call from somebody else that there's been a horrific car crash the the driver is is dead on scene and that the partner is had to be cut out and is in grave condition being rushed to a hospital and stand by we're waiting to hear where the family is and you guys are going to go get them so 30 minutes go by and we're sitting there and, and what do we do for during that 30 minutes? We know what the vision it is. Yeah. Um, we know it's Hollywood. We know, we both know people in Hollywood. Yep. 
Uh, so what do we do? We get on our phones, text, hey, are you okay? You yeah. know, checking on people that yeah. we care about, particularly care about, are you okay? Oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm at home. I'm off today. But I heard it's this. And yeah, I mean, that, that's how yeah. we would get back. I'm home, but I heard this. Yeah, this is, I heard and it fourth hand. Next, yes. And we stayed, we kept with it. And one of the text messages said, oh, yeah, I'm at the hospital. The second officer just was declared dead. And so now we, we're sitting there going, oh, my gosh, yeah. two officers, one accident, two dead officers. And we're going to go pick up the family of a dead police officer. And nothing worse than that, oh, yeah. you know? So yeah. we're trying to get composed and, and suck it up. And, and my partner says, hey, it's my first one doing this. What do we do? I said, well, here's what we freaking do. You turn off every police radio in that helicopter yeah. gets turned off. We're not risking anything coming over that radio that they could possibly hear yeah. that, could, that could, you know, really hurt them. Yeah. I said, and secondly, they're going to ask us. He's, I, I'm telling them <laughs> they're going to ask us the what, condition of yeah, their What mother. do you know? Yeah. What do you, what happened? What, what, what happened? Where did it happen? What, what condition? And we were I like, we know nothing. You, you just say, Hey, we're here to fly to the hospital. You're going to meet the, the Hollywood people are waiting for you. They're going to fill you in on everything. We don't know. And we go do the mission. Long story short, we do it. We pick them up uh, east of LA. We fly them to Cedar Sinai rooftop heliport, drop them off. Hollywood has, I bet you there was six, eight officers on the roof waiting for us. Sure. And we watched them walk away and, and get hugs and, and walk away down the stairwell. And that's all we know. While we're taking off, we get ordered to go to another helipad to pick up the chief and the mayor who were just at the hospital and take them to another place where they're going to meet with the family of the officer that was killed at the scene. Yeah. So we do that. And the chief gets in, the mayor gets in, they put their headsets on. I'll never forget this. It's, it's vivid in my mind. And I said, Chief, just a really bad day. I'm so sorry that we lost officer number two. And the chief was mad. He goes, what? You know, what are you talking about? I just left her bedside. She's sitting up. She's talking. She's probably going to get released tonight. Where did you hear that? I'm like, oh, my gosh. My partner and I, were, we were, we felt you know, terrible that we had even thought that. And we said, wow, the rumor mill got us. It caught us. And what if we had said something, Oh, yeah. you know, yeah. even something mild to that family, yeah. you know, thinking that their family member is dead. We That would have been devastating to them. A life-changing event. It's already a life-changing event. We would have made it worse because of rumors. Nothing confirmed. I mean, I'm telling you that officer said, I'm at the hospital. Yeah. That, that sounds pretty credible, oh, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was nonsense. It was perfect. It was just pure and utter nonsense. And chief was mad at us. And, but he understood. Yeah. He, he was, he was mad at the way we, all of us in law enforcement, the way we are when these things happen and that he knows that that kind of stuff happened. He was around a long time, just like the, the crew that he was flying him. Uh, but he was not happy, and that had a great impact on me. So I added that in the article and, and thought, you know, yeah, I don't want to come across as storytelling time or war stories, but, man, that had an impact on me yeah. and, and my partner. Yeah. And we tried to change ourselves from that day forward and said, I will never text somebody again 
I'm just going to do my job and do the mission and do what I'm told. And I don't want to know. I don't want to know if, if I'm, if I'm told what happened, then that's great, but I'm not going to reach out to find out. And if I'm told I'm going to be asked questions, well, where did you get that? Yeah. Oh, my buddy told me. Yeah. Well, then it's worthless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's worthless information. Yeah. Um, so that's, so, that's the gist of that story. Yeah. And, and when I read your article and we've already talked about this, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of really good points in there, but there was a line that, in your article and it says, do your job. And you just said that's those same words, do your job. Yes. And that, that was the best line in the article to me because I've been involved in a lot of very critical incidents, you know, uh, officers down, you know, officers that didn't make it on deals and stuff. And, and, you know, you get caught up in, uh, you know, what's going on and you kind of want those facts, but that's not your job at that point. And that's right. Give you an example of, you know, we had an officer that was, that was down and, and you could tell it was really bad, really, really bad. And when we were getting ready to go do an area search, uh, one of the, the officers asked the command officer, you know, you know, what's going on? And the command officer gave the officer's name and said, this is what happened. You know, it looks real bad. And the, the officer who asked questions kind of started to, you know, ask more questions. And I'll never forget the command officer said, knock it off, go do your job, go find this guy and get to work. That's right. Set, set the tone. Then we went out and we did an area search and it was the longest area search probably did in my career. And, but there was no more, let's trade text messages or figure out what's going on. We'll find out, you know, when we're done with this, we'll get the real facts. And he set the That's tone right. and put everybody to work. And I think, so it's kind of twofold. If you're not there at the scene and you start texting people who are there at the scene, trying to ask them details that realistically we're, we all care. So we all want to know because we care. It's not right. just idle gossip. I think we all deeply care. We all bleed blue. But I think when we do that, and I've been guilty of it, you know, trying to find out information at the scene, you know, from someone at the scene, now we're interrupting them so they can't do their job, which whatever whatever their job is. Yes. Perfectly described, Jeff. I mean, sure. it's unfortunate that we've both been at many of those. And it's just part of the deal of a big urban area and a big department. And but it can happen to the smallest department to the biggest department. It's just the do your job thing. It's just so important yeah. <laughs> because the chaos interferes with that. The emotion interferes with that. And you just got to individually, you just have to buckle down and say, I'm going to do what I can. I can't bring that person back. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a miracle worker. I'm, I'm a cop. I'm a yeah. canine handler. What's well, my job to hunt this guy down and capture him. Yeah. That's my job. Yep. So, and that's going to take every ounce of skill and every ounce of concentration because this guy's not a Grand Theft Auto suspect. He yeah. just killed one of ours, yeah. maybe a friend. <laughs> yeah. And now it's going to take concentration where you go, okay, not only do I have to do my job, but I have to do it better than I've ever done it before. Yeah. And, and if everybody does that, success will come. And I've seen that. I've seen the opposite too. And you have too. Oh yeah. Uh, where it doesn't go well. And it's because we let ourselves get involved in all this other nonsense and, or somebody's running the command post and has no clue, clue what they're doing. And it's like, well, why are they in charge? They've, they've never done this before. Yeah. Uh, oh, because it's a big deal because we have a dead officer. Well, that doesn't change anything. Yeah, they're still, they're you know, still it, as inept really, as they ever were. So yeah. Yeah, it doesn't change a canine search. Yeah, a canine search is a canine search. We know what the dog can and cannot do. 
We know what we as a team can and cannot do. And we know the policy and the procedures. And we know that, you know, we could recite it in our sleep. And all of yeah. a sudden, somebody's in charge that doesn't know any of it. Yeah. And it interferes with it. So there's lots of, and that's that's why I say, you know, and why you would say it and feel strongly about it too. The do your job thing yeah. is just so relevant to a critical yeah. incident. Yeah. If you do that, it will work out. If everybody does it, exactly. And if, if you see somebody not doing it, you, 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 I think you're obligated to professionally and forcefully stop it, like yeah. your command staff did, and said, "Hey, stop! This is what we're going to do. Let's get it done. We can learn more about this later. We can mourn later. We can grieve later. You, you, you can do all that. But right now." <laughs> Right now, this is a canine search. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the cause is for the canine search right now. Yep. What matters is there's a guy out there with a gun, just killed somebody, happens to be a, a, a police officer and friend of yours maybe, but go find them, hunt them down, and let's get our job done. You know. And we used we obviously were using Officer Down as a an example because that's where a lot of the emotions come in. Because yes. where people get more, obviously, for lots of reasons, of course. And those are good examples. And I've seen that on either, you know, not just my own department. I've responded to lots of other agencies where the officers, or there's an officer down. And I'm telling you time and time again, and I think you'll agree, that it is, uh, oftentimes, it is a, a dog handler who will kind of step up and say, all right, here's what we're going to do. Because we do perimeters. Yes. We, we, we do this all the time. And That's you have right. interjected somebody who's probably left his desk probably the first time in a few months yep. that is wearing some gold in, in some fashion on his uniform that now is there that has never been on a canine search in his entire career trying to set it up. And I've seen yes. many examples of canine handlers just professionally kind of taking over the canine part of it. Not taking over the yes. scene, not insulting anybody, not getting sideways, but just like, hold yes. on. Let's, let's, you know, I'll take care of this, the dogs, I'll deploy the dogs. And there was an example at a neighboring, neighboring agency and a handler did a, I mean, everybody, when it was all done, the handler did a fantastic job. It was another deal. Officer had been, was down and, and uh, very, very bad condition. And um, the handler told his command, I know all of the guys that are coming in. We train together. I will put the best dogs out in the blocks that I want them in. And they said, Good. Perfect. They said, you take care of that part of it. They did the other admin stuff. And when it was all said and done, I talked to the handler and he said, you know, it really sucked because I wanted to go out there. I wanted to be right there. I wanted to be the one doing the search. But I had a bigger job is to kind of start, you know, putting the best teams I could out, you know, out in the field and take care of that end of it. So there's a time for people to step up and that's not pay grade specific. I think you'd that's agree right. That. I, and I admire that handler greatly because you know all of us want to be on the hunt yeah um but when you see the circumstances come up where you go wow i i think uh, i'm needed here maybe more than even on the hunt there's other qualified people that can do the hunt this is not going well here somebody needs to take charge of this so that it doesn't get screwed up boom yeah i i got i got scenarios running through my brain when you were talking about that and you know, that I've heard of across the country and the ones that I've been at myself where I'm getting yelled at by a watch commander, you know, yeah. because he's convinced that the suspect's in a house. And I use that in my class. He's convinced that the suspect's in a house when, you know, every cop at the command post 
especially the canine people that do this every night are going, there's no way he's in the house, <laughs> you know, yeah. based on the, on the facts and trying to get that through to this person. And it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, it didn't work that night we were shut down and, and it took more information coming out hours and hours later that in fact, the suspect wasn't in the house and was actually a block and a half away buying a pack of cigarettes. You know what I mean? And it, and it leads to a canine search of only about 40 yards <laughs> and a, and a, and a shootout with a suspect that tried to kill a California highway patrol officer. And I mean, we should have been doing that three hours earlier had the person that doesn't know what they're doing uh, listened. Yeah. So it's many times you're right. It is a canine handler and, and it should be a canine handler. In in some cases it's a air crew member, a tactical yeah. flight officer yeah. taking charge. But there's, there's times when people in command take offense to that and yeah. they, they don't park their egos at the door and like you said, they haven't been out away from their desk, and now they're in charge of this. Yeah. They should be listening to their subject matter experts. And yeah. I've said this a thousand, thousands of times probably over the, the past 22 years, is that many times that's the canine handler. Yeah. <laughs> they have been there, done that. They can do these containments and searches in, in their sleep. They should, they should be sought out by command. And yeah. said, hey, where's my senior canine person at this scene? Oh, yeah. it's right there. It's Jeff Meyer right there. Oh, Jeff, come over here. Yeah, Jeff, set the perimeter. What do we need to yeah. do here? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what should happen. Yeah, yeah. There's there's plenty of responsibility to go around on a scene like yes. that. And the, the search right. can be delegated out to, to somebody it, else. It, yes, it can. And and yes, it's a vital piece of that puzzle, but it's not the only piece. Yeah. Like you said, there's tons of other things going on. Yeah. You know, there's things that, that that command staff or lieutenant or whoever can concentrate on, but hand the search off to the people that do it every single exactly. day they come to work, you know. Exactly. But that that's easier said than done, as you and I have both seen. Well, and many yeah. of the listeners are going, <laughs> oh, yeah, I've had that happen to me so many times, yeah, you know. Take some tactics, uh, and tactics sometimes are not the flashlight and the gun kind of tactics. It's the verbal tactics of, yes. of having a relationship. and. So that this whole discussion brings you know several things to, to my mind. Like the example I gave was you know the officer had trained with lots of teams. So like I know with with you guys with LA, you had a big enough um, canine unit that most everything I think you always handled just on your own, which works fine. Yes. But most all the rest of us, including my agency, which is a decent sized agency, we train with lots of other agencies and bring in those resources often and work together. So. That's that's more of the norm. If you have a huge agency and you're going to have 50 dogs there, or, or, and I know you guys don't have that many, but uh, my point is train with your all your neighboring agencies. Get to know them. Yes. Get to know them very well. Train with them regularly. Know who every agency's got better teams, better dogs, better suited for different environments and stuff. So you should be you should know that. Be ready for you know when this horrible day comes. Um, have the communication already set up. Just all those things which all ties back into, you know, I've been preaching it a lot for years now and, and every day it gets more and more relevant. We need to be doing scenario-based training. And if you've yes. done scenario-based training, you've found like a gigantic open area and you've called in six other agencies. You've figured out the communication on that training day. If there's air support available, which, and I want to pick your brain on that, but in my opinion, there's always some air support available. And people will say, well, yes. I don't have a helicopter, but... Every city's got a news crew. Every city's got 
you know, a military base? I mean, there's is there anywhere that you could, and you're the expert, but is there anywhere that if it was a big enough deal that you could point in the country that they couldn't find some air support if they needed it? That That's exactly true. Everything you just said there is so important, Jeff. It's so important. The, the training element, the understanding your neighbors, whether you work with them, even if you don't work with them all the time, you yeah. should get to know them. Because when the critical incident hit hits, guess what? All of a sudden, now they are there. You've yeah. never used them before for anything. Yeah. But now they're standing there and you need them <laughs> because this is such a big area. So that's why it's important to know them, even if you're not using them all the time. Yeah. To, to your air support point, yes, there, there's helicopters and fixed wing sure. uh, everywhere. And, you know, we were both very yeah. fortunate to have air, air crews over a lot of our searches. We know the, the, the value of that, and there's no doubt about that. But most agencies do not have a dedicated air support. But does a neighboring agency, does the state have it? Yeah. Is there a military a guard unit, a yeah. national guard unit's a good example because they they can cross that line, you know what I mean, into yeah. the law enforcement realm. The medevac, medevacs are everywhere. Oh, if yeah. you really needed to get, for instance, here, here in Central Oregon where I live, they use the medevac helicopter to transport search and rescue people. They don't have a helicopter, but the medevac will chip in yeah. and say, well, where do you need to be? And we need to get a, a SAR person to that peak right there. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. You know, there's always a way, but you need to figure those ways out today. Exactly. Not, not tomorrow night when the shots are being fired. Exactly. You need to know what, what could we do? If we really had it hit the fan, who could we call? What's the phone number? Let's call them now and yeah. say, what can you do? What can't you do? And some of them will tell you, Oh, we can't do that. Okay. Yeah. Now okay. you know, yeah. you know, <laughs> but but you're right. There's there's always a way, uh, a neighboring agency. Sometimes they're three counties away. But if you have an officer down and a big manhunt, and you're confident the person's in there, and you think that they can make it safer and more effective, why wouldn't you call exactly. three counties away exactly. and say, this is what we got? Exactly. Can you and will you do this? And my experience has been that 99% of the time, the answer is, we're on our way. Yeah. For something <laughs> you know? like that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's important. We're yeah. all brothers and sisters and that, you know, that, that runs true almost everywhere. And all of a sudden you have a bird over you and you're like, wow, this really yeah. enhanced it. But the key is communication and that you have to work that out ahead of time too. Exactly. You mentioned that with your interagencies. It's really important with, with the helicopter. Yeah. And I remember talking to the, the air crew that was over the Boston bombing, uh, yeah. Uh, perimeter and them saying, yeah, we couldn't even communicate with, you know, a certain percentage of the people down the ground. Yeah. Zero communication. I'm like, you're kidding me. And they go, no. Yeah. You know, how, how, how is a Boston state state cop going to talk to a SWAT team from New Hampshire? Yeah. How, how do we do that, Jack? I remember <laughs> him saying that. Yeah. And I'm just going, yeah, I don't know how you do that. Yeah. But I do know how you do it now in hindsight. You put a Boston, Boston State cop, cop with, them. Yeah. with the New Hampshire SWAT <laughs> yeah. guys. I mean, it's not that hard. Yeah, but you yeah. got to think through these things ahead of time. Yeah, you, you really have to be prepared uh, for the worst ahead of time. A lot of really good information, like always, from you. But uh, like I said, I read the article. I'm going to put a link to the article. Please, everybody, if you're listening to this, click on the link and check out the article. Send Jack some feedback. What you like or don't like about it? He's he's thick oh, So. If there's, yeah. if there's, whenever people like us do this kind of stuff, 
I like hearing what you don't like or what, what you disagree with because that's how you can uh, kind of modify modify some things and learn some things. So uh, check that out. Uh, Jack, I always appreciate you coming on. I think, um, you know, I think we covered a lot of good points. Hopefully everybody got a little something out of it. And, uh, you know, I'm glad the retirement's going so well for you. Well, it's going great, Jeff. And I'll, I'll leave you and thank you for the opportunity again. I, I love talking to you and I love talking to the people in your world who mean a lot to me. They're at the tip of the sphere. This is important stuff for them. And, and I'll leave you with this. We kind of briefly touched on it in our conversation before the podcast is, is about preparation. Yeah. And I've said this in my class for 22 years. You've got to be physically prepared, mentally prepared, and tactically prepared every single day you go to work. Because the day is coming when the stuff we're talking about, the terrible stuff, is going to happen. And I don't care where you work. I, I've been to some of the smallest departments in the country that have been in this and some of the largest have, that have yeah. dealt with this many, many times. It doesn't matter where you work. You got to be ready. So yep. I'll leave you with that, Jeff. <laughs> and and again, when you're when you're in those situations, besides being ready, just concentrate on doing your job. Don't worry about it. trying to spread any information or whatever or misinformation because uh, that's not going to help. You know anything? It isn't. It doesn't help. And you got we got to think of our families. Exactly. You know? Would which which one of us would want our family members to hear about the death of a family member? from a social media post yeah. and it happens. Yep. It happens. Oh, yeah. And uh, I've had friends reach out to me in the past week since this article and tell me things that I didn't know uh, about how they were notified about a loved one yeah. within the law enforcement world, unrelated to an on duty thing, but it was awful. Yeah. It broke my heart yeah. and we don't want to be a part of that. We got to show discipline. Very, very good reminder. Very good. reminder. It is. So it is. All right, Jack. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. And keep, uh, keep, I'll let you get back to your retirement. My pleasure, Jeff. Anytime for you, my friend. Okay. Talk to you soon. Take care. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of the Hits K9 radio podcast. I want to remind everybody that this year Hits is going to be in Orlando, August 16th to the 19th in Orlando, Florida. I know we had to cancel it a couple of years because of the COVID mess, but I'm confident that we're going to be back up and running. So start making your plans with your department. Uh, we should be good to go in Orlando, August 16th and 19th. And a few things about HITS, just to remind you that uh, this year we're going to be at the Rosen Center. And as always, uh, the Rosen Center is a first-class hotel. We always pick very nice hotels and uh, kind of beat them up on the price so that uh, cops get to stay there a little bit cheaper at a, a usually a nicer hotel. This isn't a an off-strip Vegas crappy hotel. This is a very nice hotel. Lots of uh, restaurants, spas, stuff to do, and a lot of stuff to do right around there. Like we always pick. So it's a super nice hotel. Uh, you'll really enjoy it down there. There's going to be, as always, we'll have more than a thousand other cops there. And it's uh, only cops. We vet our uh, attendees, so they have to be law enforcement or closely related to our profession. These other uh, seminars you go to, anyone that'll pay the registration can come in. That To include uh, attorneys who sue us, media people, you name it. If they want to pay the registration, they can sit in the class right next to you. Most cops appreciate the fact that ours is a law enforcement vetted only seminar. So it keeps us a little bit different than uh, all of these people that are copying what we're doing. Uh, we'll have more than 100 vendors there. All the industry vendors are coming. 
We've sold out of booths right now, so if you check out hitsk9.net, you'll see all the vendors that are coming. You'll see all the instructors. Get all the information. You can register right there, and you can register for the hotel right through our website, hitsk9.net. And as always, if you uh, want to contact me, Jeff at hitsk9.net. I love all the feedback I get. I really appreciate it. And if you could do one final favor, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, uh, go down and give us a uh, rating that really helps us get found in the Apple Podcast search engine a lot better if we have more ratings. So thanks again. Stay safe out there.